fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Boy, what a day. Holy cow, man. I hope you took your energy drink shots today because it has been a wild one. It's been a fast-paced roller coaster, and aren't you excited? A brand new vision upon the horizon for the United States, at least that's what uh, we're being told from the Republican Party. Is that going to be true? Time will tell, but at least we're moving forward. Welcome into the program. It is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. We have a jam-packed program, and I don't have time to get into a lot of it. Bottom of this hour, we have Mark Walker, not Mark Walters of Armed American Radio, although we need to get him back on the program. It has been a while. Mark Walker, he is the founder of Performance Kitchen. He's also a podcaster of the show Doctor's Pharmacy. Pharmacy is spelled like a farm, F-A-R-M. We'll talk about chronic illness, the healthcare system, dietary issues, food, and so much more. Uh, we'll have some fun conversation with that here in just a little bit. But not sure if you're aware with our big news of the day right now. What's trending today? As we officially have our 56th Speaker of the House in the House of Representatives with a unanimous vote from the Republican caucus going into this run. 220 votes to 209. No Republicans not voting again, uh, not voting for This new one as Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has officially taken the gavel, and they have a lot of work to do. We sat down directly after the vote just a couple hours ago, an hour or so ago, with Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District here in the state of Kansas to talk about that and what the slate of agenda issues look like, and this is what he had to say. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. Andy, thanks for what you're doing um, for for the conservative movement, uh, for the party, and for the country. Always a pleasure to join your program. Yeah, no, it's it's good to have you on, and I appreciate you jumping on directly after this because it's been a busy day for you guys. So stepping aside, we do appreciate it. And, man, uh, it's been a process. It's been a frustrating process, I think, after this being the fourth official nomination for a speaker candidacy. But we came out uh, swinging today, essentially. We had a complete united caucus of a Republican Party. Talk about how this kind of transgressed. And, I mean, we had to go deep into the conference here to find a true uniter of the party but it sounds like we finally did it. Well, and we found the right guy. So Mike Johnson, for those of you that don't know, everyone in the country is going to get to know Mike Johnson. He is uh, early 50s, was a constitutional um, attorney for about 20 years from Louisiana. His dad was a firefighter, um, severely critically injured in the line of duty. Um, he and his wife, uh, uh, Wendy, have four kids. He is fantastic. I'm going to tell you, he's exactly what our conference, the Congress, and the country need right now, Andy. And he's a, he is very conservative. Um, faith drives everything that he does. He's humble. He's a servant leader. And uh, and really excited for him to be the 56th Speaker of the House of Representatives. Yeah, this is good news. Uh, talk about the process that led up to him, because obviously we had Steve Scalise for a short time. We had three votes on Jim Jordan. We had Tom Ember that lasted about a couple hours before he officially dropped out, knowing he wasn't going to have the votes. But talk about the difference between Mike Johnson and someone like a Jim Jordan, who's also very conservative. And I believe that Mike Johnson and Jordan actually worked together 
for a good amount of time. So what was the what was the deal or what was the difference between those two that actually allowed the Republican Party to unite behind Johnson? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I strongly supported Jim Jordan. I think he would have been a fantastic speaker. It's not lost on me that if Jim Jordan becomes speaker, we lose him on the Judiciary Committee, uh, which that's the committee that's taken it to the Biden administration right now, as are some other committees as well. So I'm strongly supportive of him. Byron Donalds would have done a good job. We had a handful of members um, that I believe would have done a really good job. Um, but in the in the conference, you know, it comes down to who does everybody support, and then who is there not opposition against? Um, strongly supported Jordan um, as well as uh, Byron Donalds and, and others. But at the end of the day, um, everyone coalesced and came around Mike Johnson yesterday and, and last night and. That was put into place here uh, a few minutes ago on the floor of the House of Representatives. Yeah, it was amazing. When the announcement was made last night when he did the press conference with a lot of the Republican caucus around him showing that support, the chant, the, the right, everybody was on their feet when the official nomination was done on the floor today, show that there's a lot of energy here, which was desperately needed after looking kind of torn and broken for the last couple of weeks on what direction we were going to go. Uh, this is a uh, to me, it was a very good sign of unity, of the Republican Party and the energy that we have moving forward to really address some of these issues. So let's talk about some of those now that we're opening back up for business, so to speak, here in the House. We have a continuing resolution that's about to end here in a couple of weeks. We have a farm bill that's been delayed for a while. We have funding for Israel. We have Ukrainian issues to address. What's on the docket? And do you think that uh, obviously the Republican Party thinks it? But how is he going to orchestrate a leadership mentality to start addressing these issues right out of the gate? Yeah, well, he's off to a great start because the very first bill uh, that he brought forward, in fact, is being debated as we speak and we'll vote on it um, here within the hour, is a, le- a resolution that unequivocally, um, very clearly states the United States' strong support of our ally Israel um, and their 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 right to defend themselves against the barbaric attacks of Hamas terrorists. So that is coming up right away, about an hour of debate, and that's going to get passed today. I think every Republican will vote for it, Andy. Unfortunately, there's going to be a handful of Democrats who are going to vote against it. Now, every every American, every member of Congress should vote for this legislation. Um, it's going to pass overwhelmingly despite um, result, you know resistance from the squad and the far left. That's going to happen. Then we're going to return to the appropriations process, which of the bills that we need to fund the government, 70 percent of government funding we have addressed in the House. Over on the Senate side, they need to take that up. We'll work through our other appropriations bills that we work to uh, push forward here before the next deadline, which is the middle of next month. That is good news. I'm glad you brought that issue up because there have been, and I don't know how they can get away with it, of having Palestinian flags being flown outside of some of these congressional offices. Like you mentioned, the squad, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar. I get that maybe they have some concerns about some of the citizens in Palestine. That's a worthy conversation. But some of the comments that have been made have been some of the most anti-Semitic comments that I've ever heard especially as an elected official. But even beyond that, we're supposed to be supporting someone like a strong ally that the United States has. And as an elected official, it's almost shameful. And I don't know what can be done about it. But the fact that someone is not supporting our own ally, supporting the enemy that is called to death to America, uh, it's it's wild to think that that's the point that we've gotten to in the United States, Congressman. It's infuriating to me, Andy. And it's just remarkable that we have people that espouse anti-Semitic views and words um, that are members of Congress. It, it absolutely 
um, should not stand. And we've got to strongly support our best friend in the Middle East, Israel. And the Jewish people have a right um, to their country. And, and you know, when you see Hamas, you know, if you're in denial, or, you know, with social media today, I think most people were the barbaric acts that these Hamas terrorists took out uh, unfounded on, um, you know, Jewish folks in the uh, throughout Israel, especially on the southern portion, which I've been there. I've been to some of those places that were ravaged, yeah. um, makes your stomach churn. You know, the war, we lost more Jewish people on that day than any day since the Holocaust. So let that sink in and then have um, members of Congress stand and say um, that they are standing with Hamas and not with Israel is an absolute shame, travesty. I hope that the uh, voters at the ballot box um, give them a resounding message here at the next election. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, at the same time, this bill obviously is a separation from what the Biden administration has called for from funding for a joint package between Israel and the Ukraine and everything else that we want to fund around the globe, as opposed to specifically focusing on supporting Israel, trying to figure out what we're going to do with Hamas and moving forward. Uh, Democrats, for whatever reason, don't like that. But you would think it would be common sense, Congressman, that we focus on our ally of Israel after spending hundreds of billions of dollars in the country of Ukraine already. No, you're right. Common sense is a good word. Unfortunately, that's often lacking uh, here in Washington. So here's the deal. So far, our nation has spent over a little over $100 billion to support Ukraine. I voted uh, against the last um, multiple um, you know, requests that have been made. Those have passed nonetheless. Now, the president's come and asking for another $60 billion for Ukraine. He's tying that to about another 10, around numbers, billion dollars for Israel. Also, uh, monies for some other things, including to secure our southern border. We need to separate these things. In other words, securing the southern border, number one priority. It's a travesty and, and shameful that the Biden administration has done nothing um, but have this open border policy. So that needs to be funded separately as does supporting Israel. So so I would not support the things together. They need to be broken apart to have individual votes on these really important American priorities. Amen to that. We're talking with Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District here in the state of Kansas. Congressman, we've got a couple of minutes left, and I appreciate your time very much on this. Let's talk about the continuing resolution that's set to end in the middle of uh, November. We're just a few weeks away from that one. The next major test, I think, for our new Speaker of the House and this Republican caucus for you guys is what could this potential budget look like? Number one, do you think we'll get a 12 appropriation bill process done, at least in a relatively decent amount of time? And are we going to see some reforms when it comes to spending and the amount of money going out? Because right now, the government's looking to try and expand near $2 trillion in our next budget, which is the new norm of what we spent during the COVID-19 pandemic when we shut down the entire country. And I don't know that that's necessarily uh, sustainable for the country. It's not sustainable, Andy. Meanwhile, we have racked up a $33.6 trillion, with a T, $33.6 trillion debt. Um, you know, we're getting to the point where the interest alone on our debt is going to exceed what we spend for the military. You know, the number one national security issue in our nation um, is the debt that we have. And so, you know, we've got we got to do a lot of things. One, we've got to secure the border. Two, we've got to cut spending and, and get this spending addition under control. Number three, uh, we need to deal with the weaponization of the government against the people. Um, four, we need to stand and support Israel. And five, we need to work on a farm bill. I mean, those are those are the priorities for my district in Kansas right now. Yeah. 
and uh, it's a travesty to see what the Biden administration has done to our country. But Mike Johnson's leadership, um, fortunately, Republicans control the House, and we can instill some sanity uh, into the process in Washington, D.C. That sounds so nice. It sounds so encouraging because we haven't seen some encouragement coming out for a while. Last question for you, Congressman, before we let you go. You mentioned the Farm Bill. Now that we can get back to order here and we have the budget discussion, but we also have this extension of the Farm Bill, uh, where are we at in conversations with a new Farm Bill of 2023? Or do you think at the end of the day it's going to be kind of a revised Farm Bill 2018 2.0? Yeah, I think I think this Farm Bill will be evolutionary but not revolutionary. Um, I, I think that most ag producers are pretty satisfied with the bill. Now, there are some changes and improvements. We're real, remember, Andy, a farm bill, 81% is food and nutrition. Um, 19% is everything else. The everything else includes things like crop insurance, uh, the, the programs that really solidify and make sure we have a stable, safe, steady food supply. Um, so I'm on the House Ag Committee. We, you know, we that The text of the, the bill is drafted. And uh, once it gets some floor time, it'll be released, go to committee, and then full steam ahead. Yeah, I love it. Uh, maybe we can get some stuff done, and I am optimistic now that we see some momentum coming in. It's Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District here in the state of Kansas. Congressman, keep up the fight, my friend. Thank you for everything you guys are doing up there. I'm excited to see what the rest of this year may hold. Keep up this fight. Let's talk to you again here real soon. Sounds great. Appreciate your patriotism, Andy, and thanks for having me on your show. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you check us out. We always love you. Thanks again to Congressman Tracy Mann, the Big First District. So those that live outside of Kansas, just to put this into perspective, he covers a very large area. If you draw a line down the center of Kansas, even maybe a little bit further to the right, he covers the entire western half of the state. It's rural, and it's awesome, and he's a wonderful guy, a former lieutenant governor here in the state of Kansas, a wonderful friend. I've known him for a long time, and minutes, literally, he was still on the floor after the vote from the Speaker of the House, and minutes, we were texting with, the, with his office in D.C., setting him up uh, to come on the program, and I love them to death, appreciate them very, very much for allowing him to come on on such short notice, and being able to uh, do that in between the votes that are going on right now, because it sounds like the Republicans are moving forward, and I got to say, with all of the shenanigans and anarchy that we had seen for the last couple of weeks and the concern about the direction the Republican Party wanted to go, the battle between the conservatives and the moderates and which direction that we're going to take and the gamble that the conservatives did by booting out Kevin McCarthy to put in a more conservative speaker, it was a major risk. And did it pay off? Well, according to a lot of individuals, including the conservatives, they're very happy with this. And the speech that Mike Johnson gave last night after the internal vote within the Republican caucus and what he did with the press is very encouraging, I think. This is servant leadership. We're going to serve the people of this country. We're going to restore their faith in this Congress, this institution of government. America is the last best hope of man on the earth. Abraham Lincoln said it. Ronald Reagan used to remind us all the time, and we're here to remind you of that again. We're going to restore your trust in what we do here. You're going to see a new 
form of government, and we are going to move this quickly. This group here is ready to govern, and we are going to govern well. We're going to do what's right by the people. And I believe the people are going to reward that next year. But we have a lot of big priorities ahead of us right now. The world is on fire. We stand with our ally, Israel. We have a very busy agenda. We have appropriations bills to get through the process. But you are going to see this group looking, working like a well-oiled machine. We owe that to the American people. The, the people up here are, have been sent here by the people of this country to do this job, and we are going to do it well. We commit that to you. Thank you for allowing us to go through the process and get to this. It was worth it, and we are going to serve you well. Ma'am, to me, that's one of the best speeches that you could have gave. I mean, that's what you could have done. I was in, I'm in a lot of different organizations, private organizations outside of radio, and we had a discussion about this in one of my uh, groups that I'm in just last night about trying to boost memberships and try and help bring awareness and trying to raise funds and so on and so forth. And it comes down to a conversation of needing leadership and putting in the structure to make things happen. And just like Mike said in that conversation is that it's going to run like a well-oiled machine because at the end of the day, what we essentially need is a coach, a coach to be able to put in the right players into the right positions to where they best fit and be able to allow them to do their job, to not micromanage it, to not try and question them, but to put them into the spot and let them run and let them do what they need to do. Now, obviously the first big test is going to be uh, just For the very, I don't know, within a couple of weeks, the first big test that he's going to have is going to see where he stands on this continuing resolution, trying to expand it, trying to extend it, or trying to get this 12 appropriation process budgetary thing done, and whether they're going to hold their own and stand their ground. And that was the concern with Kevin McCarthy on whether he was going to came to Democrats, which he obviously did multiple times, and whether this new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who seems like a solid conservative guy, he was supported by Donald Trump, supported by the quote-unquote MAGA individuals, on what it's going to look like when it comes down to the pushback that Democrats are going to have. On we're going to shut down the government unless you raise spending and cap out all of our new trillion dollars, two trillion dollars worth of spending for a federal budget. On where we stand on how we can actually, I don't know, try and cut spending and actually bring a reasonable budget to the conversation and hold to it and stay strong. He's going to have a test, but it sounds like he's aware of that. He said the place is burning down around us. We need the leadership. We need the well-oiled machine. We need the United Republican Caucus to band together and to get something done and to actually change the status quo in Washington, D.C. And if he's able to do it, I applaud him for that. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. As always, yes, it is. Welcome into it. Your Patriot on the Prairie, baby. That's what we do here on this show, trying to bring some reason, common sense, rationale to conversations. You know, having fun doing it all at the same time, right? That's just the way we roll. Winning. <laughs> at least we tell ourselves that anyways. Welcome back into it on the home stretch here. So much to cover and so little time to do it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. We'll get back to the Speaker of the House. Well, I did, by the way, over the break, I was looking at, I was scrolling through the Tweety or X or whatever you want to call it now. And Adam Schiff, the congressman out of the state of California, hoping for that open Senate seat next year when that race comes up, had a comment about the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And yeah, he was not very happy. He's a Trump election denying. Okay. I mean, we knew they were going to be upset, but uh, man, it is kind of 
interesting to watch them lose their minds. We'll see what happens as uh, some of the challenging conversations come up here over the next few weeks. We'll get back to that a little bit later. I want to shift gears, though, and get to our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? I'm so excited for the next next conversation and topic because I love talking about this since really the COVID-19 pandemic, which was my, I guess if you want to call it, quote unquote, awakening when it comes to uh, freedom and how much control government has had, how much control the healthcare system has had, how much control pharmaceutical industries have had, all the stuff that's in our food when we try to actually be healthy. Because we heard from doctors, just don't worry about it. Isolate yourself. Wear three different masks. Uh, bubble wrap yourself because the virus won't get you then and then just wait for a jab and then just get the four jabs because then you'll all of a sudden be healthy and you don't have to worry about anything. And does that actually work? I mean, no, I don't I don't think it does. So that was my awakening when that happened. And it's been an ongoing from there. So I love talking about this conversation because now as we look at trying to shake up the system, trying to figure out better ways to actually allow society to run, uh, one of those main focal points that at least I like to have on this program is the healthcare industry. And the question is today, why in the world does our healthcare system, uh, I don't want to say stink, but at the same time, it's not as good as what it was a few years ago. And why do we see so many people on pharmaceutical pills? Why do we see the obesity rate continue to climb? Why do we see so many medical issues and chronic illnesses? What's going on in the world today is the big question we have. Excited to have on the program to talk about all of that and so much more. He is the CEO of Performance Kitchen, which you can find online at performancekitchen.com. Food is medicine is their motto. He's also a podcaster with the podcast show Doctors Pharmacy, Pharmacy being the farm. Happy to have on the program here at Mark Walker. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Appreciate uh, you having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I, I appreciate you coming on here. I, I threw a lot out right at the beginning here, but I, I have to ask, when did what do you think that we've seen a mass awakening of people saying, wait a second, maybe the healthcare system's a little bit too controlling. Maybe I'm not doing what I need to do to actually make myself healthy because the six different medications I'm on taking daily isn't really doing anything for me. Yeah, 100%. And just for clarity, um, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman's podcast is the Doctor's Pharmacy. I was on there, but that's not my Okay, podcast. you were on there. You were on there. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But, uh, of course, it's, uh, look, it, 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 for those that know our healthcare system, it's a it's an absolute disaster. We are now at 20% of GDP that we spend on healthcare. And, unfortunately, we haven't been able to solve the problem. It's gone up from 5% of GDP in 1960. So it's just going up every single year. So, yes, I, I do believe that with COVID and everything that happened with that, it put brought to light the amount of money that we're spending, 90% of that 20%, which is about $3.5 trillion a year, is spent on chronic disease. So we wow. just have a chronic disease epidemic in our country that's just overwhelming. You've got healthcare systems that are, that are struggling to make ends meet, despite the fact that it's the number one area of inflation over the past 20 years, right? So it's everybody's reaching out to, to find solutions. And the challenge is we're not going to find any solutions until we, until we start focusing on preventative care, which is another issue altogether. Yeah, what a wild concept, actually trying to prevent the issue than putting a Band-Aid on top of it. Uh, where did a lot of these chronic illnesses, do you think, and chronic diseases come from? Because, I mean, you go to the doctor and everybody in their kitchen sink, for some reason, has some form of a quote-unquote heart disease nowadays. I mean, even the doctor, when they're like, what kind of illnesses did your ancestors have or your parents have or your your lineage? And you always say, oh, yeah, we have a heart disease. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a normal staple nowadays. Why are these things so common today? Well, that's a very good question. There's, there's a lot of speculation about why that is, but 
Um, a big reason is our is our food system. We have a a very complicated food system in, in the fact that we've overprocessed everything. We've got sugar in everything, and it's it's really not effective from a, a, a good metabolic state. But to, to your point, something like 70, 80 percent of the country is metabolically unhealthy today. So it's it's everyone. It's not just obese people. It's not you know. 86% of seniors have a chronic disease. Wow. So it really is a, an epidemic facing the country, not only from a, from a health standpoint, but I think what COVID did for us is it basically showed us because of the chronic disease state of the country, we are sitting ducks. For anything like that that comes through, it just, when our immune system is suppressed and I mean, a good portion of the, the negative impact of COVID had to do with previous disease states. Yeah. And so we really have to figure out a way to do something about this. And it starts with early stage prevention. It, it doesn't start when you walk into a hospital and you said, hey, I've got this little heart thing going on. That's the problem is we have a we have a four trillion dollar sick care system today. That's, <laughs> its job is to fix, put Band-Aids on diseases when they happen. The challenge is we're not focusing on early stage. So we really have to start moving towards that to get a, a better system overall. There's so many directions we could go with that, including the, like you said, the food and what we're actually ingesting. We have things that are on the market that we consume in this nation that are banned in other nations, whether it's the quality of fast food joints or whether it's dyes that are in certain candies uh, that like change your little DNA in your body because you can't have these red dyes or these yellow dyes or these blue dyes. And other nations don't even allow that. Or like you mentioned, the amount of preservatives, the amount of sugars and the amount of salt it's wild that we have so much in these foods and our government passes it off as acceptable and we just continue to eat this stuff without questioning, wait a second, like you guys say, uh, food is medicine and maybe I should be looking at a little bit deeper exactly what I'm ingesting into my body. Yeah, 100%. And, and look, one of, the, one of the problems and or one of the greatest things about our nation is the freedom of choice. Yeah, We have made a, a, a basic principle that we are allowed to choose. The challenge is somewhere along the line, we, we, we disconnected the responsibility of those choices from the results of the choices we make, right? And now all of a sudden, we have systems in place where we have ultimate choice, but if you make the wrong choice, we'll pay for that too, yeah. right? And we'll deal with all the bad choices you make. And so there's a lot of challenges with the, with the undergirding system that we have in place. But in our industry, the, the food is medicine industry, which is a new, uh, um, brand new industry that's happening over the past two or three years, what's happening is healthcare organizations that, that actually make money by lowering your cost of care have made the determination, you know what, it may make sense to pay for somebody's food because it actually reduces cost of care. What the data shows is that for every dollar you spend on healthy food, it saves about $3 in healthcare costs. And you can imagine in a $4 trillion industry, soon to be $6 trillion by 2030, CMS says, it's just a massive number. Yeah. Like if we can start feeding people and making sure they eat healthy, then, and this is a, a real interesting bipartisan issue too, because um, you can imagine a lot of these programs politically are frowned upon by one side or the other, but this happens to be a, a real bipartisan issue. In fact, there's a bill in front of Congress to authorize this for Medicare. It's a, a true bipartisan bill with two senators and two uh uh, I mean, two uh, Democrats and two uh, Republican senators that have signed on and created this bill and said, you know what, we really need to start focusing on this because this is a massive crisis in the country. And we need to come together because it's not only a, a great program to fight food insecurity and nutrition insecurity, but it's actually economically beneficial. 
Yeah. If we do this the right way, we can actually save money in the process. Yeah. Amen to that. That's exactly what we need. We're talking with Mark Walker. He is the uh, CEO of Performance Kitchen. You can find him online at performancekitchen.com. Uh, uh, the average American right now, they say the average American takes about six different pharmaceutical pills on a daily basis, and it really leads to, I have an issue, we're going to mask it with these symptoms by putting a medication in there, you have a side effect, you take another medication to get rid of that side effect, and just the list goes on, averaging out to nearly six different medication pills that they take on a daily basis here. By changing your diet, by changing what you actually intake to your body, do you actually see a lot of that go away and people get off a lot of these pharmaceuticals and actually just feel healthier just by eating. Oh, 100%. In fact, that's one of the things we talked about the, the podcast at the beginning of the, the show. Dr. Mark Hyman is one of the foremost experts in the country on, on food as medicine. And he actually said there, he said, there, there's no way for me to, to reverse diabetes with medication. There's no way for me to do it. Yeah. I can put a Band-Aid on it. I can treat it. I can, but there's no way for me to reverse it. With food, I could reverse it almost every time as long as, they, as long as they abide by the nutritional guidance that I give them. So it really is different on that side. But, but to your point, the challenge we, we have is our bodies are built to, to, to work based on the nutrients we provide. Once we start injecting a, a pill or a pharmaceutical, a lot of times we're, we're preventing our bodies from the, the ability to, to self-heal. And, to, and so what ends up happening is you rob yourself of your own immunity. And now we get stuck on these things, and now we're stuck to I mean, I don't know if you've seen the GLP-1 drugs that are out now that are all over the place, but that's the essence of the GLP-1s is those probably cost 30 to 40% more per month, our system, than feeding somebody every single meal of every single day for the entire year. Yeah. So we're spending 30% more for an injectable. It, yes, it works. It's, I mean, again, our sick care system is an unbelievable sick care system. They create these interventions that are unbelievable band-aids, yeah. right, on the problems that we have. But there's no, there's no real focus on preventative care. Um, well, what happens if we were to able to get somebody off those systems and now for the rest of their life they don't have to use those drugs, right? Now it's a different thing. And in addition to the cost of those drugs, you also still have to pay for nutrition. So those drugs don't provide you with any nutrition at all. It's just an intervention to curb your appetite and reduce your your, your desire for food. So yeah, so yeah without a doubt, I tell you what, Mark, a, a miracle drug. Yeah, hold on, line. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yeah, of course. Fantastic. I want to continue this. It's Mark Walker of PerformanceKitchen.com is the website. We'll talk some more about this when we come back. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is truth, reason, common sense of what we do here on the program. It flies right on by. Holy cow. So much to talk about and so little time to do it. So welcome into it for a midweek celebration. We're hanging out with Performance Kitchen, performancekitchen.com. Mark Walker, he is the CEO of the company, and I have a feeling that we're going to be chatting with him a lot on this program because I love this conversation. I love the direction. And there's so much more I want to talk about as we get ready to wrap up the program, Mark, we talked about the quality of food that you're ingesting, the, how it allows your body to heal, how it allows your body to actually do what it's naturally able to do. And it's difficult sometimes to find 
the right kinds of foods to actually be healthy. Talk about what you guys do here and talk about, uh, for example, like the meat industry. We talked about some of the dyes and some of the preservatives, but the meat industry with the hormones and the injections and the steroids and everything that we see going into meat to try and blow it up or the genetically modified things to make them bigger when we lose the nutritional value, but it's just larger to be able to consume more of it because... Well, apparently we need to consume more because we don't have the nutritional value in there. Uh, is that an issue right now, do you think, in the food industry? And how do we fix something like that? Yeah, let me. so let's talk about a little bit of the first question, which is, is what do we do and how, and how does this work? So what, what Performance Kitchen does is, is called medically tabled meals. And the way you can imagine it is this way, which is it's just pre-prepared meals, whole foods um, compiled into a, a meal that it's healthy, has all the nutritional guidelines that are necessary based on the insurance company we provide it for, American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association. Um, but what's important about medically tabled meals is they take all the guesswork out of how do I eat healthy? And at, look, we are surrounded by some of the best physicians, doctors in the country, and they dis disagree on some of this stuff. So for, for the average consumer, it's just a myriad of, of, of questions of, well, if I were to get a grocery program, and get free groceries, well, how do I compile that into a healthy meal? So we, we bridge or, or cut that off of the, at the pass and say, look, what's happening right now is insurance companies are recognizing that medically tailored meals, which is pre-designed meals, literally shipped to your house that you heat up. And again, some of these programs are very robust, two or three meals a day for 12 weeks wow. that people get that it's truly a food intervention. And the amount of education you need to eat the medically tailored meals is zero. So that's what I love about this program so much is we get the gift of being able to give somebody free meals paid for by insurance to start you on a path of better health. Now, that being the case, I, I talk about this everywhere I go. I'm the biggest proponent of not having a long-term benefit designed this way. And the reason why is the same reason for pharmaceuticals. If you don't start educating people on how to start preparing this themselves, you rob them of the ability to, to, to own and to um, manage their own health. So although medically tailored meals are unbelievably effective because they're essentially a prepackaged pill with all the nutrients you need for your body to work properly, we don't, we're not a big fan of you being on these for the rest of our life. Sure. Our goal is to, is to ingest these for 60 to 90 days to break your old habit. And, and there's, a, there's a book called Change Your Diet that talks about how do you do this. But the way we as humans change our behavior is by having an experience with the change. And that's one of the things medically tailored meals give you is an experience with the change of what it feels like to be healthy. And the key, key component of that is once you feel what it feels like to be healthy, now you found your why. Oh, well, this is what it feels like. Like me in particular, when I started eating our program, um, I still remember, this is all anecdotal, but my, my boys were two and five at the time. And I just felt like playing with them. I was outside and they were bump, jumping off the walls and I just had the energy to play with them. And that has stuck with me for four or five years on that is my why, right? But if we can give somebody the gift of a why, well, now they, they have the tools and the, and the motivation to be able to manage their own health. Now, just like any addiction, food is an addiction, and it is not easy to change behavior, sure. especially when you walk through the environment that we walk through every single day. Of, we got sugar on every single corner. It's one of the most addictive substances on the planet. So... That's one of the, the beauties of medically tailored meals is they're paid for by your insurance and they take all the guesswork out of it, right? Wow. I love it. That, that's amazing. I mean, what you guys are doing is fantastic. And like you said, it is not only a way to help people, 
not only a way to help people to do it in a medical sense to be able to get back on your feet with your health and through your diet, but then to educate people to be able to take it for the long haul and be able to do it sustainably on their own uh, for that amount of time. Uh, it is, I, I love it. I love the program you guys are doing. Mark, we're out of time. I could talk to you about this forever. Again, one more time, if people want more information on what you guys do, how can they reach out to you? So on our website, performancekitchen.com, we actually have what we call a benefit locator tool where you can log onto our site, put in your zip code, your, your plan information, and it'll actually tell you whether you qualify for a benefit in your zip code or not. Now, most of these are Medicare benefits. Some states have Medicaid benefits, but it, it really is an unbelievable program of, of if you qualify, we pre-authorize with your insurance company and start shipping 14 meals a week to your house. So it really is a great program offered by some insurance companies. PerformanceKitchen.com. Go and check it out. Mark, we appreciate it, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. What do you say? Of course. I love, love it. There it is. I appreciate it very much. There it is. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Back at it again tomorrow. We'll see you on the radio.